Hello and welcome to How to Change the World, learning from young people making a difference. With me, Daniela Timperley. This episode was recorded on the 8th of March 2021. So hello, um, today is International Women's Day and I know this episode isn't coming out until next week, um, but something really exciting is happening today. I mentioned it on a previous episode, but today is the day of the White Ribbon Anthem preview. This was a project with Women's Aid, ABCLN, Northern Ireland Opera and the Ulster Orchestra, but it was composed by an amazing pianist, Ruth McGinley. This was a huge privilege to be able to share my story and be a part of a strong group of women that contributed to this message um, of this anthem and inspired these powerful words. Um, But the theme for today is choose to challenge. So... Today and every day, I will choose to challenge violence against women. Um, And I also encourage everyone to choose to challenge something every day of the year, especially if there is something that is personally affecting you. Um, The White Ribbon Anthem will be released officially on the 9th of April. So check it out and buy it to support women affected by domestic abuse. All the proceeds will go to Women's Aid, ABCLN. So today I'm changing things up a little bit, um, kind of going against my brand here, but instead of chatting to a young person, I will be talking to a person who is committed to helping young people. So um, ignore the intro, um, but coming up today, I will be talking to philanthropist Sundara Kelso-Rob, MBE, founder of the Humankind Foundation and Northern Ireland ambassador for the Diana Awards, and she joins me now. Hi Sundara, how are you? I'm good, Daniela. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, how has like lockdown been for you? Like, how have you been getting on? Well, lockdown I've coped okay with um, in terms of, I suppose, personally, but professionally, a lot of my work is about going out and meeting people and doing a lot of one-to-one and face-to-face. Um, that includes my my actual paid work, my mentoring, my volunteering. So I just really, really miss sitting down with people because I get a lot of energy from other people. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the same. Like I think I struggled a little bit more this semester. It's just a bit different. Like last, like at the end of last year, you know, like gyms were open. You could go like for a meal with your friends. Like this year, this year's just been kind of a bit of a nightmare to be honest. But um, have you picked up any new hobbies or like any new skills to keep like lockdown interest and all? Well, I've I've had to get used to these these zooms and teams and technology. <laughs> Um, and um, anybody that knows me knows that that is definitely not a passion of mine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I suppose I've picked up those skills. But um, but it's I mean part of it has been nice spending some time around the home because in the past it wouldn't have been unusual for me to work maybe sixty hour weeks, and then your time off was just you know taking a breath and getting ready for the next sixty hour week. Um, so it's actually been nice to 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 be a, a homemaker um part of the time. 
yeah no I definitely agree um I think like when people ask me oh have you taken up a new skills I'm just like honestly no because I find myself as busy as ever like maybe even busier than pre-covid because you're probably the same like you schedule things back to back because you are at home and although it is nice like being at home but yeah no I completely agree but speaking of pre-covid we met when times were normal at the Diana Awards in 2018 um at Stormmount in Belfast and when I received my award and you attended as the Northern Ireland ambassador for the Diana Awards and we've kept in touch ever since. Um, you also accompanied me to an event where we met Prince William for the first time. It was in a celebration of like young people and it was just an incredible experience, wasn't it? Daniela, you're such a name dropper. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Yes, yeah, and and I yeah I've been I I can't re remember actually, but I'm sure I've been involved with the Diana Award for over a decade now, and um my my first involvement um I hadn't even heard of the organisation, um and I got a, an invitation to attend a reception in Downing Street. I'll do some name dropping now, <laughs> and um. And, and I happened to be in London on, on business at the time. And I thought, well, well, this sounds interesting. Um, I'm not sure at the, at the time I was heading up the Lloyd's TSB Foundation. I wasn't sure if it was for us or whatever, but certainly, it, you know, it was a nice invitation. Um, it, it was, um, you know, it beat having uh, room service in your hotel room <laughs> on your own. Is, you know, traveling with business is never as glamorous as it sounds. Um, <laughs> And I was completely blown away, not by Downing Street and not by meeting the Prime Minister and not by meeting any of the other ambassadors as was then, um, but the young people, you know, they had such um, energy and passion and I was just gobsmacked and, and actually a, a complete convert from that night on. Um, we, we kept in touch um, and I um, was able to, to look at what they were trying to do in Northern Ireland in terms of the um, anti-bullying in particular, um, and was able to uh, offer advice via one of my team. They, they received a small um, financial award, um, and I just got more and more involved, talked to more and more people, um, talked to sponsors and donors, um, and a few years after that was asked if I would be interested in becoming the ambassador for Northern Ireland, um, which just blows me away, still blows me away. Um, and I get to meet amazing people like you and we stay in touch. And now I think you mentor me as much as I'm supposed to be in the past <laughs> mentoring you. I know. I think like if it wouldn't, I didn't know like about Diana Ward like if it wasn't for my skill like I know it's been like on running for over 20 years but I had never heard of it either but um that's what I was actually interested in it was like how you stepped into that role um because I knew like you'd worked with many charities beforehand and so it's interesting to like see how you were drawn to that role and like took on um that title um yeah, you've been it, like it's it, well it's I mean a funny story is um I've been involved in the, you know, in the voluntary sector for um, the vast majority of my career, but my primary degree was in textile design. And when I left university, I um, set up a small millinery business. Um, so I actually designed a hat for Princess Diana. 
Um, and, you know, she was a few years older than me and she was obviously a huge sensation at the time and on the fashion scene before we had social media and all we could rely on really was magazines and, and newspaper articles. Um, but but that that sense of um, fashion that sh that she brought to um, the royal family uh, and promoted British fashion designers um, was obviously of great interest to me. Um, so it's it's it was just an absolute honour when a when I heard about the award and and the young people it was supporting. Um, and, and recognising, and then be when I had the opportunity to be more formally involved. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you have like been a mentor like to me for the past couple of years, and you've mentored many other young people through the Diana Award, um, particularly in Northern Ireland, um, supporting them on their journeys to change the world. Um, did you like always have a passion for young people? Like, where do you think that like stemmed from? No, I always did. Um, I, I always liked working with young people. And I guess if I if I wasn't in the career I, I'm in at the minute, I probably would have been a teacher. Um, because even going through university, I would have on a volu voluntary basis taught arts and crafts, um, either in church or I was a volunteer with the Corimila, um organization so I always I always get a lot of energy out of young people um, and and I think for a long time they've they've sort of had a bad rap um, and and you know what what I am really excited about at the moment is the opportunity for intergenerational work um, because I think young people can learn so much from their elders and vice versa um, and, and now that I'm off the age um, that, that, you know, the world is moving so quickly, I find I never have a mentoring session. I mean, I don't even call them mentoring sessions because I honestly do think I get as much out of it as hopefully you and, and your peers get. Um, I come away with new knowledge and that keeps me fresh. Um, so, yeah, I, I, as I say, that's that's been one of the difficulties of lockdown for me is not actually being able to tap into that, you know, eye to eye energy. Yeah, definitely. I have to say, like, I wouldn't be where I am without the mentors that I've had over the years, like through both charity work and the media industry. Like I've had a few that have definitely got me to where I am. And they can definitely speak for like many young people that like having a mentor is really invaluable. Um, so the work you're doing is really, really great. Um, something exciting though that is happening now is that you're now getting your new foundation, Humankind Foundation, off the ground, which encourages giving amongst young people. Um, I love being a part of the first donation um, as part of Humankind, which was to Women's Aid ABCLN, obviously very close to my heart. So like seeing so many of my friends supporting that and donating um, warmed my heart and we were, we were able to donate gift bags to women and children in the refuge. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about like what your vision is? for the future of your foundation sure and, and you of course um forgot to mention there that you are my university um, ambassador <laughs> for the humankind foundation um i i went back after i did my um so i did my uh primary degree in textile design then i did a, a postgrad in marketing and then um many years after that i you know i had no business qualifications as such 
um, apart from the marketing. And I had the opportunity to do a master's in um, executive leadership. Um, and my thesis on that was philanthropy. And philanthropy is, um, A, it's a really difficult word to say, um, but, but B, people perceive philanthropists to be Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or, you know, any of these multi-million billionaires that, that can give away loads of money. And I actually don't agree that that's what philanthropy is all about. Um, I, I agree that um, it's about giving of yourself, but it doesn't have to be a huge amount of money. So very long story short, my research indicated that we needed to change the hearts and minds of young people um, if we were to make philanthropy more acceptable and the norm in Northern Ireland. Um, and I was able to go on a study visit to America where they start teaching philanthropy to kids aged three or four, which I, I just thought, I mean, that's incredible. Um, and it's just about sharing and thinking about others and what you can do in your community. And it's really about starting to teach advocacy to young people and teach them about the community and teach them about being good citizens. Um, and I had the opportunity then to think long and hard about um, what I would like, what my legacy, I suppose, would, would, would look like. And I thought, you know, I really would love to be able to set up a charity um, that specifically deals with supporting, educating and developing young people in their philanthropic journeys. Incredible. You probably hear my dog barking in the background. That's the, the joy of lockdown is when you get your deliveries. Um, we have a dog and a puppy and a rescue cat. Um, and they all go mad when there's a delivery. So I apologize for that background drama. All pets are welcome. <laughs> um, something you mentioned there was actually really, really interesting. And I actually have like something to add. When you said um, that, you know, like philanthropy like is more like giving of yourself rather than huge amounts of money. I completely agree. Whenever I was pitching this podcast, I imagined it, you know, a philanthropy kind of podcast and, you know, I'm interviewing and talking to people who like give themselves to their causes. Like, and I, the feedback I got was that, yeah, but that's like, you know, millionaires and like people who have like loads and loads of money that are like giving. I'm like, no, not really. Like it's about time as well. And it's about yeah. like your passion. And that is something that um definitely opened my eye to that as well. Like that's how people see philanthropy. Yeah. But it's much, much more than that. Well, yeah. we, we talked, Daniela, about the, the three T's. Um, so T being time. Um, you know, volunteering in your, you know, your local um, animal rescue shelter or in a charity shop or, you know, um, picking up litter or whatever, you know, just just good deeds um, uh, that, that reward you, but not financially. And then talent, which is where you would find maybe a solicitor or um, a doctor or um, an accountant, a professional, giving up their time free of charge pro bono. Um, so that's where they're giving off their talent. And then the third T is the treasure because you know charities can't operate without funds. Um, all the goodwill in the world won't keep 
you know, the door of a charity open. It needs money. Um, so, yeah, it's much more about the big fat check and the photo opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also everything about your foundation and the, what it looks like in the future um, sounds amazing. And I cannot wait to see it flourish. Um, and something else that you've got um, recently involved in is the Brighter Futures um, like grant scheme supported by Lauren Football Club, um, which launched in February last year. And it's community-based charity that supports people in Lauren with things that matter to them. Um, so congratulations on being appointed as the strategic advisor in October. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the charity and what your involvement is in it? Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah, I never thought I'd be working um, for a football club, <laughs> um, but actually I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, they, they were doing a the, the club, the players, the, the coaches, the, the fans were doing a, a, a huge amount of charitable work um, in and around the, the area of Larne. Um, and then with Brighter Futures Fund, it was formalized um, into um, part of it being a grant program. And obviously with, with my background of what, 25 years giving out grants, um, I was asked to come in and have a look at that. and. Uh, I suppose sharpen it up and look at our objectives um, and, and it's been really exciting and, and one of the, the exciting things for me and it's always been the case it never needs to be a huge amount of a grant to make a huge amount of difference um, and you know so we've been able to well we've been able to help businesses with um, entrepreneurs starting up in business We've been able to fund people who are interested in teaching um, taking sports qualifications for coaching and training um, help with the uh, improving the environment and the appearance of Larn, um, help with everything from Irish dancing to um, football and boxing and the sports that you would imagine. Um, and a, a couple of new developments coming on board we're going to be because I believe and, and the people around me and Lauren believe we're going to be introducing mentors for those that um, have availed of grants so that they can help them on their development journey be it personal or you know on a business basis um, and the players are, are just so generous so in uh, for November they there was a, a sprouting of beards and moustaches um amongst the the team and um, we were able to give um a thousand pounds each to extern and to cancer focus because as you know november is around um cancer and mental health and then we've always had a wonderful relationship with um women's aid in fact very proud that that you know our first team um, were the first team, uh, the first football club in Northern Ireland to um, have the white ribbon on their shirts. Um, Lauren Football Club is a safe space, um, which also means a lot to me. Um, and it's, it's just a privilege to be able to do so much work. And in fact, just on Friday past, we've launched a new appeal called Laptops for Lauren, where we're inviting individuals and companies to have a hunt around, see if there's any old laptops that they're not using, um, donate them to us. 
uh, we will get them refurbished, wiped, clean, make sure they're appropriate to give out to families um, in need. Because, I mean, it's impossible for a family to do homeschooling when they're all maybe working off one mobile phone. Uh, and that, and that, that, that barrier to learning that technology provides. So we only launched on Friday night and already we have 33 laptops and a thousand pounds in cash donations. Um, so I'm really excited to see where that appeal will go. Lauren Football Club are like so incredible. Um, I've worked with them a few couple of times as well, as you said, um, with Women's Aid ABCLN. Um, their passion is just unreal. Um, they've like done campaigns like the Elder Abuse Awareness and Day campaign, the Older and But No Safer, and also worked with them on the project for White Ribbon Day as well. Um, the players are just, they're so passionate and genuinely committed to the causes that they put their name to, which is obviously really, really important and really special as well. Um, how do you like enjoy working with them? Because as you said, you never imagined you would be working with a football club. Um, but how, how do you enjoy working with well, football Well, Daniela, you know that I, I love my fashion and I love my style. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think the first few meetings I had down there, I was getting very strange looks in terms <laughs> of who is that woman and what is she doing wandering around here? Um, and they did this very funny... Um, sort of appointment video of me, uh, a teaser video, uh, trying to take a penalty, uh, which of course I missed. Um, but you know, it, it's fun, but there's a, there's a very serious side to it. And the, I mean, these guys are obviously paid to be footballers, but they see themselves as much more than that. You know, they are, they know that the football club is the hub of the community. And they, I think they have a responsibility, um, an inbuilt responsibility um, that they have taken on, that, that they are very grateful to be so well supported by the community, that they feel um, that they should be supporting the community back. And, and in, indeed they do that, you know, time and time again. Absolutely, they're definitely their role models um, to so many people. Um, your commitment to philanthropy like, is so, so incredible. And I honestly, I can't wait to see um, what you do next. And um, Sandara, thank you so, so much for joining me and coming on. Daniela, thank you for having me. I think having looked through or, or, or listened rather to your, your previous um, interviewees, I'm probably the oldest, so I hope I don't sound like a dinosaur, but um, just even seeing you on screen recording this interview has, has energised me today. So keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. It's nice to see you. You take care. And remember, if you want to visit our Instagram page, it's at how.tochangetheworld. On the next episode, we have Zach Brown from Maryland, USA. He has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop a treatment for cavernous angioma, which Zach discovered he had at the age of 10. So don't miss my chat with him to find out all the amazing things that he's been up to. Thank you for tuning in to How to Change the World. Bye.